Hello, and welcome to another episode of Lunatics Library. I'm Abby Brinker. I'm here as always with Alan Kudan. Hello. And today, for the first time in a year and a half, we are in studio with another person. Welcome, Avi Dobkin. We're back. We're back. Here we are. You'll remember Avi from such episodes as... The very first one. Episode number two or four, and The Scary Scuffle. And also another one where I went on a long rant about the secret world of Alex Mack and also Kafka. That's right. So listen back to those to learn more about Avi. That's right. I'm pretty sure it's subtitled Avi Rants About Kafka and the Secret World of Alex Mack. (laughs) But today we are here to tell you stories about mermaids. If you have missed our underwater sea creature series, feel free to listen in to the deep dive that we do into both the Kraken and the history of mermaids. Wait, is this the end of the sea creature series? I think so, unless we choose to extend it. I don't like that at all. Well... We'll have to talk about it. Okay. Regardless, today we're here to talk about mermaids. So So, we want to... So what is a mermaid? No. (laughs) Listen back to the history of mermaids. We... I want to address something right off the bat. Because obviously, we're talking about stories about mermaids. You would assume that we're going to read The Little Mermaid 2 by Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah, obviously. However, we're not going to do that. That's up next, right? No. Oh. Coming up with me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Mermaid by Hans Christian Andersen. Okay, take it away, Avi. (laughs) We're not going to do that for a few reasons. One, because it is over an hour long, read out loud. And two, because our dear friend John Cook has done it on the Fado podcast. He has an episode where he reads the entirety of Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid. Oh, thank God. He's much better. He's wonderful. So please go listen to Fado episode 111 and listen to him beautifully read The Little Mermaid. It's obviously a, a pinnacle mermaid story in history, but John gives wonderful context and really uh, we should all follow his lead on this one. Oh, yeah. And that, that was not a slight to anyone here. Just John's voice is up with the greats. <laughs> and we do talk about The Little Mermaid in the fairy tale series a bit. So if you want some more context into the very violent graphic nature of this original fairy tale, check out our deep dive into fairy tales. Is, there, is the fairy tale series, is that ongoing? No, it was a two-part series we did, or three-part, I suppose. Okay. Do you have fairy tales you love? I mean, I I do have some. I do have an a like a an appreciation for the fairy tale. Um, my my favorite fairy tales all, not all, but all come a lot from the same era as some of the work we're going to be delving into today. Um, I think the fairy tale in the Victorian era is really fascinating because, unlike. I think a lot of what you guys went into during the two parts of the of the fairy tale series, the Victorian period was, the, as I understand it, the first time when the fairy tale, as opposed to being from the oral tradition, became like constructed. Right. People began to write fairy tales, and hmm. there are these like really weird, sort of interesting. Ooh, well, we can certainly do a Victorian era fairy tale episode. Yeah, and then if you wanted to have something really long read for the Victorian era fairy tale thing, <laughs> we have um, our man. One of my favorite poets is Percy Bysshe Shelley. Oh yeah, he has Queen Mab, a philosophical poem. I might be getting those words wrong, and that's that's gorgeous and and very strange and like ooh beautiful. We'll definitely check that out. We love Percy Shelley, and we love uh, very strange, gorgeous, haunting Victorian era anything. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean Shelley, not not the best Shelley. 
Okay. I mean, I think he's my favorite Shelly, but I think that if you were going to talk about the best Shelly, Mary Shelly. Oh, I mean, yeah. We all, I think we all agree uh, there. Are they related? Yeah. They're, yeah, they were married. And they cousins. were married? We did a whole episode on this, Helen. Why don't yeah. you tell me these things? Oh my God. Okay. I mean, Mary Shelly was like the, the like gothest woman who ever, who ever lived. She yeah. lost her virginity on her mother's grave. Remember, we looked this up, Mary Wollstonecraft, her mother? Yeah. Oh, right. That Sorry, that was the confusing bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, back to mermaids. So the other elephant in the room is a story called Hans the Mermaid's Son, which is another probably lesser known, but somewhat pinnacle mermaid story. We're also not going to read this one. So it's by Andrew Lang from the Pink Fairy Book, which I actually owned as a kid. It's a public domain story at this point, which you can find quite easily if you'd like to read it. It's overall a coming-of-age story with complex and outdated views on gender and gender roles in society. So, so for that reason, we're going to pass on it. But if you wanted to take a look at it, you could. Wait, we're not reading it because it's a, a little insensitive? And it's just not as interesting to me. It's kind of like a long, drawn-out coming-of-age story that includes mermaids, but... Is it spooky? No. Yeah, screw it. Yeah, and screw also, it. like, we could also not be reading it because it's very insensitive. And then, like, you know, fuck them. Right. Fuck them. Okay, so, but let's get into the things we are going to talk about today. How about that? I feel like it's another episode of diatribes and digressions with Avi (laughs) Dobkin. No, no. So, we have, Avi is going to read two poems for us by Lord Alfred Tennyson. So, Tennyson was a poet. He was born in 1817 in England. He was actually the poet laureate during the reign of Queen Victoria. That's correct, yeah. An honorary position appointed by the monarch or the prime minister, but there's really no duties associated with it. Yeah, I mean, we've, I mean, our country also has had various poet laureates throughout the years. What is it? Poet laureate? Yeah. I mean, it's it's an honorary position. You sort of like the... Like, like head poet? Sort of like, yeah, the, the poet f- for the country. We also now have a youth poet laureate. From the inauguration? Yes. Yeah. Yes. She was the... Oh, she, I saw that. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yes, it was. It was great. One of my favorite poets was Poet poet Laureate of the United States. Okay. uh, Ogden Nash. Okay, yeah. You know, has written such famous poems as The Llama. Mm -hmm. The 1L Llama, He's a Priest. Mm -hmm. The 2L Llama, He's a Beast. And I would bet a silk pajama there isn't any 3L Llama. Ah, yes. That one. Or other, other, uh, (laughs) other gorgeous works such as The Bronx, No Thonks. (laughs) So, in volume one of a collection released in 1842, Tennyson included back-to-back poems titled The Mermaid and the Merman. Mm -hmm. And Avi, I've I've invited you here to read these two poems to our listeners. And when I did so, you expressed enthusiastic interest in Lord Alfred Tennyson. So, Mm -hmm. tell us more about why you like him. I mean, I I love Tennyson. Tennyson is like one of the most, if not the most, like influential poet of the era. Okay. Um, not just, I mean, he was poet laureate at the time, but he also, I mean, he's just like incredibly melancholy and mm-hmm. sort of gorgeous use of words. He was a real serial reviser, um, which I think really shows in his work. Like he would just like constantly go over and change and change and change tiny little edits until he was really satisfied with it. Um, and you know what that reminds me of? Mm. You. Yeah, he's also just like I feel Busted. like he's he's my old man style icon. Sure, there's this beautiful like po- like portrait of him where he's just like sort of like gaunt with this like scraggly beard and like long hair, and I'm like, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, 
Yep. I'm Googling a picture. I'm just curious what this guy looks like. Yeah. He looks exactly like Avi, but aged. Yeah, he looks like an old me. I mean, Tennyson also wrote, I mean, really famous, well-known works. The Charge of the Light Brigade might be his most famous work. Mm -hmm. He aged super well. He did age super well, yeah. So you have... Young Tennyson? Sure. Old Tennyson. Mm-hmm. I feel He's like people look. aged quickly then. We didn't have face creams at the time. Yeah. Well, well, right. Him with the foot-long beard, he's probably like 26. Yeah, exactly. It's just like he's old at the On time. And then you, it's like you get old early and then you stay old. If you're yeah. lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so without further ado, Avi, will you read to us the poems? Who would be a mermaid fair, singing alone, combing her hair under the sea in a golden curl with a comb of pearl on a throne? I would be a mermaid fair. I would sing to myself the whole of the day. With a comb of pearl, I would comb my hair, and still as I combed, I would sing and say, Who is it loves me? Who loves not me? I would comb my hair till my ringlets would fall, lower down, lower down. From under my starry sea bud crown, lower down and around. And I should look like a fountain of gold, springing alone with a shrill inner sound over the throne in the midst of the hall. Till that great sea snake under the sea from his coiled sleeps in the central deeps would slowly trail himself sevenfold round the hall where I safe and look in at the gate with his large calm eyes for the love of me. And all the mermen under the sea would feel their immortality die in their hearts for the love of me. But at night I would wander away, away, I would fling on each side my low flowing locks and lightly vault from the throne and play with the mermen in and out of the rocks. We would run to and fro and hide and seek on the broad sea wolds in the crimson shells whose silvery spikes are nighest the sea. But if any came near, I would call and shriek and adown the steep like a wave I would leap from the diamond ledges that jut from the dells. For I would not be kissed by all who had list of the bold, merry mermen under the sea. They would sue me and woo me and flatter me in the purple twilights under the sea, but the king of them all would carry me, woo me and win me and marry me in the branching jaspers under the sea. Then all the dry-pied things that be in the hueless mosses under the sea would curl round my silver feet silently, all looking up from the love of me. And if I should carol aloud from aloft, all things that are forked and horned and soft would lean out from the hollow sphere of the sea, all looking down for the love of me. What a beautiful reading. The language is so uh, nuanced, and to hear you read it that way, it was cool. That was wonderful. Yeah, very beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I see why you like this guy. Tennyson, he's the best. He's the best. His handle on language, the best. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of early 1800 stuff is a little dated and hard to get through, 
not not this guy. Tennyson's also later than that, right? Like, so he's like he's poet laureate during the Victorian era, which like you can think of as really contemporaneous with the American Civil War and after that, right? It's hmm. like the it's the second half of the 19th century. Got so it. So it's not it's not as stilted as we would see it today. Well, still, like even sometimes turn of the century stuff. Yeah, it sounds super dated. But I don't know. Man was ahead of his time. Yeah. I mean, also, you know, just like it's that serial revision. Yeah. Serial revision. It gets that's you where there. it's at. Yeah. Looking at you, Fiverr. Excuse me. So, Avi, if you would please be so kind as to read the next poem. Absolutely. The Merman. Written by Lord Alfred Tennyson. Read by Avi Tompkins. Who would be a merman bold, sitting alone, singing alone, under the sea with a crown of gold on a throne? I would be a merman bold. I would sit and sing the whole of the day. I would fill the sea halls with a voice of power. But at night I would roam abroad and play with the mermaids in and out of the rocks, dressing their hair with the white sea flower. And holding them back by their flowing locks, I would kiss them often under the sea, and kiss them again till they kissed me, laughingly, laughingly. And then we would wander away, away, to the pale green sea groves, straight and high, chasing each other merrily. There would be neither moon nor star, but the wave would make music above us afar, Low thunder and light in the magic night, neither moon nor star. We would call aloud in the dreamy dells, call to each other and whoop and cry all night, merrily, merrily. They would pelt me with starry spangles and shells, laughing and clapping their hands between, all night, merrily, merrily. But I would throw them back in mine, turkis and agate and almondine. Then, leaping out upon them unseen, I would kiss them often under the sea, and kiss them again till they kissed me, laughingly, laughingly. Oh, what a happy life were mine under the hollow-hung ocean green. Soft are the moss beds under the sea. We would live merrily, merrily. Another beautiful reading. What do we think, though, of the lines of him kissing the girls until they kissed him? I, you beat me to it. Knew I was going to say it. Listen. I retract my earlier statement. He was not ahead of his time. Absolutely not. <laughs> you can't, no. you can't do that. You can't do that. Not, not anymore. Consent is everything, my not, friends. Not in society below or above the waves. That's correct. Right. Not anymore. Like, you shouldn't have ever done it. Correct. You, I will say it was acceptable to you free language. No, I will not say that. <laughs> I'm gonna stick up for no. people across all, I, all I, time. I period. understand where you're like, you could kiss them, yeah, once, sure. assuming that pre language we have invented kissing, which questionable, but like, if they don't, if they reject the kiss, then you don't kiss them until they kiss you back. It's just like, I'm kissing you. Oh, you're not kissing me back. Okay, goodbye. It's like an episode of Dawson's Creek. Is that what's happening in Dawson's does, Creek? Does Dawson's Creek feature... Uh, well, there's a lot and, of like and, and, uh, leaning in and then, oh, oh, you know. The only thing I know about Dawson's Creek is that Joshua Jackson was in it. Wow. 
That's a very distinct thing to know about it. The only reason I know that Joshua Jackson was in it was because Joshua Jackson was in Fringe. I don't know what Fringe is. Fringe is a, is a TV show. It's great. What's it about? It's about people investigating fringe science incidents. Got it. And like Joshua Jackson is in it as sort of like a person who is like, you know, cheated his way through Harvard and was then, you know, like playing a little bit of a scoundrel with an estranged father. His estranged father played by, I forget the actor's name, but he played Lord Denethor in the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm -hmm. And and all this Um, happens underwater? No. But Fringe is great. Fringe is absolutely <laughs> great. Skip the last season, though. Okay, good to know. Okay, so th- this is no, there's no crimes happening in the, o- this is not mermaids. No. This is just a side recommendation. Got it. Yeah. Isn't this an episode of diatribes and digressions with Ozzy Sh- Dobkin? Sure, I mean. I mean <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I would love an episode on, you know, mer- mermaid detectives. Sure. sure. That'd be hilarious. I mean, it'd be tough. Actually, me and Alex, that's so funny. Me and Alex, my friend Alex, had started to write a podcast like a long time ago that was meant to be like an ongoing serial story mm-hmm. and i'm not going to give anything away in case in some day it, it materializes but it not so far off from mermaid detectives i'll start yeah. there you know i had once started writing a podcast that was supposed to be a, an ongoing serialized story that was like about my con- my conceit was that it was like about a variety show it was sort of like an old oh, cool. an old timey variety show mm-hmm. almost like the idea that of like that are the dearly departed live from here or like a prairie home companion you would hear the segments but also like the backstage thing and it was like haunted or something i don't remember like, like a dark jollyville radio yeah that idea yeah, yeah. very cool yeah i love that that's almost what i uh, my original plan for lunatics was to be like a variety show and then it turned into the history of horror i don't like the idea of corrupting jollyville so uh, we we just went over two pieces do you guys have a preference, mermaid or merman? Yes. I do too. You go first. Obviously mermaid. Mm-hmm. I liked the merman better aside from the like slightly rapey language. Mm-hmm. I liked it seemed darker to me and a little more, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was your reading, but it, it seemed a little more uh, haunting. Honestly, I actually find the mermaid haunt more haunting. Interesting. Um, I found it more obtuse. The mermaid or uh, the, the mermaid, yeah. yeah. It's it just it seemed a bit more uh whimsical mm-hmm. and a bit more poetic, really. Yeah. And the merman is more of just like I'm a merman and this is what I do. Yeah, I'm a merman and I'm fucking broads. <laughs> I will I will say this. I think the language of the mermaid mm-hmm. I preferred, especially mm-hmm. your reading of it. I think the feeling I got, the yeah. overall feeling, which is usually how I answer questions like that. Yeah. I, the mer the merman i left it feeling a little like darker mm-hmm. and more introspective but i think the language was more fun and playful in the mermaid i yeah i actually think that i think that the mermaid is a is a bit more evocative there's a lot of evocative imagery that he brings up the branching jaspers under the sea you know like uh the purple twilights the diamond legends that jut from the dells where's the oh the broad sea wolds can i ask you a quick question yeah what's a dell Adele? Yes. Um, Adele is... Adele, a singer. the European singer. Yeah, yeah it's uh, like shaded area. Oh. Oh, yeah. I think that makes sense. Underwater? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a wold is also... Wold? Yeah, W-O-L-D. Cool. Which is usually, I think it's like it's like a rugged, wild area on, like on a peak or something. Cool. Mm-hmm. If I'm remembering that correctly. It's been a while. Um, let's look it up. We can look it up. 
Yeah, we, we can. can find I, an answer. I, I, I just prefer to ask you these questions. Mm-hmm. It's much more fun than Googling. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> no. Avi look it up. Uh, Wold, piece of high, open, uncultivated land or more. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, let, let's see if I was right about Dell. Dell is a small, secluded, hollow, grassy park, like usually a partially wooded valley. Yeah. Okay. Very nice. But yeah, I think that I think that the mermaid has has like that evocative scenery. Oh yeah. That I think to me lends an air of melancholy. It's like this idea that like she's sort of like, yeah, you know, like everybody loves me, but also like she's just spending all of her time in these like secluded wild landscapes. It's like, what's really going on there, mermaid? It's also nice to describe the different landscapes within like the ocean. Yeah. You know, you you think of well, I mean, quite frankly, a lot of the ocean from our perspective looks the same because right. we see it from shore but it's incredibly varied it's got to be yeah you know we know more about the universe than we know about our own oceans that's yeah guess how much of the ocean we've explored 0.3 percent 10 percent which is actually better than i expected because mm. it's so vast and so empty but then again send so- me down send me down you go get me a suit i'm going in yeah a suit yeah. You, you, you could get one, uh, like thematically, you could get one of those um, old-timey diving suits. That's exactly what I would like. No, she wants a diving bell. Oh, I was uh, thinking <laughs> like a like a bathosphere. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like uh, Bioshock. Yeah. 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 Hell yeah. And the magic, too. You'd make a great big sister. Thank you. Little sister. Is it little sister? Little yeah, sister. little sister, yeah. I haven't I thought, played Bioshock in so wait, long. Wait, no, I thought little sister was the little girl. Yeah. There are right? no big sisters. In Bioshock 2? I've never played Bioshock 2. So, uh, I got I got glitched out of Bioshock 2, but I did play Bioshock Infinite. Bioshock Infinite, I I liked it. Ho- hold, hold on. <laughs> so in Bioshock 1, you have Big Daddy. Yeah. Right? Little Sister. And Little Sister. Mm-hmm. And then you in Bioshock 2, you have Big Sister, who is the female equivalent of Big Daddy. Okay. Who is like Big Daddy, except like, in true like Dragon Ball Z form, such more small and humanoid, which mm-hmm. means they're a thousand times more powerful. Right, of course. Yeah. Okay, you're you stand corrected. Thank you. Yes. Okay, so now we have. Speaking of Bioshock, actually, this mm-hmm. is somewhat maybe re- relevant. I wrote a story for this. Okay. Please tell me this is some of your Bioshock fan fiction, <laughs> of which there is copious amounts. I'm sure it, there is. Uh, okay. And yeah. so much of it is those two characters from Infinite. <laughs> it is not Bioshock fan fiction, thank you. So the inspiration for this story is based on a real place that Pilar Kep told us about. Pilar, of course, from the Jollyville Radio podcast, and Pilar, who did our wonderful logo and all of the designs on our merch. Oh, it's just the best. The best. Um, and so Pilar told us about a sub a sub theater, essentially, like a underwater theater um, that used to sit in Arena Springs in Texas. And it was lifted out only a few years ago, but from like the 1950s to the 1990s, it had its heyday. And so guests would watch like Aquamaids and witch doctors perform, even clowns, like in masks instead of makeup that would perform underwater, like what you were talking about in the History of Mermaids episode with the the mermaid that you saw. Mm -hmm. But you would be in an underwater theater that looked kind of like a sunken submarine, but it was always in this like spring. Got it. So you are not wet no you're like in a t- submerged tunnel with glass right yes and the, the the stage is flooded it's not no it's in a real body of water 
well, so sorry, the real the, body yes. of water is this the right. so the, the tunnel goes into the body of water, but it's like an underwater amphitheater type. It's like a sunken amphitheater with glass, so you can watch the people who are performing in the real body of water that surrounds it. Got it. So the performers need breathing apparatus, Correct. but the audience does not. Correct. And of course, this site, Arena Springs, is also famous for Ralph the Swimming Pig. And they used hoses to breathe through, like you said. Did you know? Yes. That Lake George, New York, my hometown, is home to the only surviving diving horse in the whole country. Still? Yes. It seems like animal When you said surviving, is that because it's the only one still alive or the only one that survived diving? Little column A, little column B. Okay. So, diving horses got outlawed years ago mm-hmm. because it's ridiculously cruel. Sure. Because the way that they would make the horse dive is, you know, they bring a horse somehow mm-hmm. up onto a diving, up to a high dive, mm-hmm. and then they used electric prods to make oh, it jump off this. into the that. pool. I right, that's that. super terrible. Yeah. And this is how it was done, even in Lake George, many, many years ago. But that diving horse had a foal. And it just watched its mother dive and of its own accord learned because of its mother's behavior, learned to dive all on its own. So it was able to sidestep animal rights regulations because no cruel treatment was needed. It just dives. So yeah, it's there. There's still a diving horse up there. Jeez. Well, I appreciate very much that that horse is not being tortured, but I also still wonder how, cruelty free it really is i think it's you know it just doesn't know anything else no i want it to i don't want it to have to be a show horse for its whole life right i mean i i think the 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 horse you know there's so many options available out there Mm -hmm. that should be explored yeah i'm i'm still processing all that i'll be honest i'm really i'm really i'm giving it a good think I'll check back in with you guys if something if something works its way through. But I am not an advocate for the diving. I horse. understand that. However, no, there's no however. I'm not an advocate for this diving horse. I, I think it should be retired, but not in the glue factory way. Fair enough. And on that note, let's turn to a story that has absolutely no animal cruelty. And I would like to thank Betsy Hillstead for some edits on this piece as well. Underwater Theater, written and read by Abby Brinker. Clara had watched the worker slowly assemble the giant glass and steel structure and then sink it into the spring lake. The signs had gone up days ago, and the balloons finally appeared today, marking the great opening. The crisp end of summer breeze lifted the ends of Clara's short auburn hair as she wove through the crowd, two tickets in hand. It was opening day at the Underwater Theater, and Clara's mother had sent her into the dense crowd to secure two tickets. Her mother could see her daughter's bright red coat and the matching hat bobbing closer. Mission accomplished. Clara didn't need to beg her mother that morning. She had spent two weeks talking about the opening, wearing her down. Now Clara proudly possessed two tickets to the Underwater Theater, and she couldn't believe it. Let's get in line, over here! Clara's mom called out to her daughter. Within seconds, Clara was by her side, a huge grin on her face. I'm so excited, Clara breathed as they joined the queue of people waiting to be admitted. The sign at the ticket booth said there's a show every hour on the hour. I hope we get into the first one. I want to be the first one to see it. Patience, Clara. There are a lot of people here. We are privileged to be able to come to a show. 
Some people can't afford, but I just... Clara stopped short as she saw the look on her mother's face. Oh, I know. They settled into silence and observed the buzz around them. Vendors walked up and down the line of people selling roasted nuts and spun sugar. A band played off near the entrance, enticing new townsfolk to stop by. And oh, Clara jumped, startled as a clown tapped her on the shoulder. Her mother gave her an encouraging nudge. Clara hated clowns. This one held up ten fingers in front of his face, as if Clara was not smart enough to know where his head had gone. He lowered them silently. Ta-da! She rolled her eyes. She wasn't a baby anymore. The man behind her clapped loudly. Clara was not here for roasted nuts or grown men in white face makeup. She was here for the mermaids. The sign had distinctly shown two beautiful mermaids that supposedly lived in Spring Lake. All this time! There had been mermaids right down the street from her home and she had no idea. The line started to move. Clara took very deliberate steps forward, trying her very, very best to be patient. They were letting people in. She craned her neck, trying to see what was ahead. The top of the sunken theater poked out over the smooth surface of the water. It looked like a submarine, complete with a top deck for people to observe. The line was really moving now. Only three people in front of them. Two. And then Clara extended her hand to the ticket taker. Two, please, she said with a cheery smile. Enjoy, little miss. The man tipped his hat and winked at her mom. And then he called. That's it. The theater's full for the first show. Stay in line and you'll be in the next one. Did you hear that, Mom? We just made it. It was meant to be, her mom returned. The pair walked up onto the observation deck before arriving at a hole in the center with a drop ladder which admitted them to the underwater theater. Inside, the sun melted away immediately. Clara's eyes took a few seconds to adjust to the red velvet seats, floor, walls, and ceilings. It was like being inside the fanciest underwater car she'd ever seen. Holy cow, she whispered under her breath. Holy cow is right, her mom repeated. There were sconces along the walls, admitting just enough light for Clara to find the last two seats. There was a low murmur of excitement. The other patrons didn't know what to expect either. They were all in it together. Ladies and gentlemen, a voice boomed from all directions. The entire crowd jumped. Welcome to the maiden voyage of the underwater theater at Spring Lake a feat of modern engineering, a marvel of our times. You're about to find out the secrets of the deep. You're about to be dazzled by the previously unknown. You and only you can say you were the first to experience a new show that will surely sweep across the nation and globe. Be sure to tell your friends. Clara's mother squeezed her daughter's hand as two boys dressed in dark colors slowly slid the partitions away from the windows that lined the walls, letting in the most brilliant aquamarine light they'd ever seen. The crowd gasped. Clara squealed with delight. This was it. She was going to see a real mermaid. For a moment, everyone sat in silence, taking in the beautiful water, swirling seaweed and effervescent bubbles. And then the water churned. To the left and the right, there was movement, tails swishing, mermaids. It was hard to see. Everyone was craning their necks and blocking the view. The aqua women swam towards the center of the window, and Clara finally got a good look. They were beautiful. They were magical. But wait, what was that? What was that thick black cable running from their mouths? Clara looked around, stunned. These were not mermaids. These were humans in mermaid costumes. Mermaids could breathe underwater on their own. Clara was sure of it. But somehow, no one else in the crowd seemed to notice or care. Clara crossed her arms and frowned. Her mother noticed and asked, What's wrong, darling? Isn't this fabulous? No, it isn't. Clara tried to cross her arms even harder. Clara, what's wrong? Her mom bent down, closer to her daughter. 
Before the little girl could respond, something else moved in the water. It was approaching very quickly, swimming with extreme ease through the crystal clear lake. Claire's interest peaked. A new mermaid swam towards them with finesse and flair, and maybe anger? The water molecules seemed to restructure around her, propelling her through the water at extreme speed, bending around her to make channels and currents at her whim. The figure was now only a few feet behind the fake human mermaids. Claire could see it was a third mermaid, but something about her was different. Her long, tangled hair wasn't blonde or brunette like the other two. It was murky, somehow shimmering green. Her scales looked so real, jagged almost. She looked like she could slice you in half with one powerful swoosh of her tail. And her skin was so different than any other skin Claire had ever seen. It wasn't soft and fleshy. It was covered with barnacles and calluses. Claire looked up at her mother, who seemed to be considering the new act with caution. Something about her just looks so real, Claire's mom said. And then Clara noticed she didn't have an air hose. I think she is real, Mom. Clara's mom smiled and laughed, her eyes fluttering back to the show. Clara watched as the human mermaids spun around, at first confused and then scared. They started to frantically swim back towards the shore. Their eyes were wide with terror, but talons caught both by their fake tails ripping them off. The real mermaid's jaw unhinged to reveal rows and rows of teeth lining her maw, She yanked the bare-legged women towards her and chewed up the blonde first. There was an overwhelming silence as water filled her lungs. Clara watched as panic descended around them. People started to scramble and trample each other as they fought to leave the theater. Clara's mom grabbed her daughter's hand and pulled the girl towards the exit, fighting against the sardined crowd. A dull thump echoed around them. Clara looked back over her shoulder to see the creature thrashing her tail against the glass. She hit the window once, twice, Three times, and a small crack emerged. Clara's eyes widened as she followed it up, up, up. It splintered across the entire pane. Run, Clara! Clara's mom pushed her towards the ladder. You're small. Go through. I'll be okay. I'll meet you up there. No, mom, wait! It was too late. Clara's mom gave her daughter one final shove before the crowd swallowed her up. Clara ran towards the ladder. She easily ducked between adults and within seconds felt the reassuring steel ladder under her hands. She climbed up as fast as she could. People were forcing her up and out. At the top of the platform, she tried to duck her head back into the hole, fighting against the stream of emerging people. Mom! She screamed into the crowd. Mom, where did you go? As her eyes scanned the dim, sunken theater, Clara noticed the creature outside. Another powerful hit and the window sprang a leak. Water trickled in dangerously from the established crack, but the pressure was too great. With a loud crash, water gushed in, flooding the theater still full of patrons. Blood-curdling screams filled the air. Mom, Clara called. Clara! Clara followed the voice. There she was. Her mom was almost to the steel ladder, just a few more people to go. Hang on, Mom! From above, Clara could see the water starting to fill the tank. The vile creature was ripping away at the glass, slithering through the opening. Clara's mind raced. What could she do? How could she save her mom? Please, please don't hurt her, Clara screamed. Please let her be okay, she whispered to herself. The stampede of people intensified, and Clara was involuntarily carried away from the entrance by the horde. People continued to pour out of the theater entrance hall as gruesome guttural noises filled the air. Clara spun left. A man was frantically looking for his wife. To her right, the clown had tripped on his shoes as he tried to run away. A slow trickle of red dyed the water around the platform. 
Clara watched as the red water spread and spread until the entire shoreline was bloody. The ground around her was too densely packed with people for her to stand, but Clara crawled back towards the theater. Mom, she called meekly. The din around her started to fade into a static buzz. Mom, please. As she neared the waterline, splashing noises caught her attention. It looked like a giant school of oversized fish had started to circle the sunken theater, maybe here to feast on the remains. But Clara squinted. They weren't fish. They were mermaids. Clara froze, not wanting to get too close to the lake. The mermaid pack jumped and flitted through the bloody water, as if they weren't terrifying monsters but minnows learning to swim. Clara pushed them from her mind, determined to find her mother. Mom! she called with renewed strength. Where are you? she screamed. With an ear-splitting noise, an inhuman screech came from one of the people. Clara wheeled around as terror washed over her, freezing her from the inside out. One person floated away from the pack, bobbing and hissing. Clara would recognize her mother anywhere, even as an undead sea creature. Clara's mother's once loving eyes now flashed red. Her hair was knotted and tangled. Her skin looked venomous. Clara stumbled to her feet and slowly backed away from the lake. The mermaid's hollow eyes tracked her daughter. Clara broke out into a run towards the road. Tears poured down her face as she realized she was alone now. The mermaid let out an awful screech. Clara turned around, no longer sure which monster was her mother. Holy mermaids. Holy mermaids. That was awesome. That was really, really nice. A real tonal shift. (laughs) Thank you. So we'll get into the story in just a moment. Sure. But from a macro perspective, I think this is one of the best stories you've ever written. I agree. Thank you very much. And performed super well. Thank you. I have Pilar's wonderful inspiration to thank for that. First off, big fan of anything involving mermaid murder. (laughs) Sure. Um, Murder maid? Well, I mean... Murder. Murder, M-E-R? Well, I mean, there's... There's the famous uh, Brendan Small song, Mermaider. The first line really rings true in this of there are no fingerprints deep underwater. Hmm. Nothing to link one to a crime. And it's true. You can get away with anything. You I'm, keep trying to bring up mermaids and crime. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, know, make it we, really easy. you know, if you if you want to write something, we could turn this into a into a two parter. I mean, I what what got me thinking is like, wow, there's so much latitude for mermaid crimes you know mm-hmm. i think was that an intentional pun with latitude no no it wasn't um <laughs> there's so much longitude also there is there is um as as well as fathoms uh but <laughs> I, I i think when it comes to lunatics library we might just do a wild card episode where we just write a whole bunch of weird topics of all our, fa- our sorry a whole bunch of stories of our favorite topics you should well no what you should do is you should just you should throw a bunch of topics into a hat Ooh, that's fun mm. Right, and you should be like, okay, so crime story, mermaid, like, so it's like you pull out like crime and crime and mermaids, and you're like, okay, here, write a mermaid detective story, and then there's like, there's like, western and doesn't leave his, you know, and like, you know, uh, what are they called, uh, ship in a bottle Ooh. episode, you know, like, it's like, yeah, yeah, Are, well, also like, the, what you got, zombie mermaids at the end, zombie mermaids, yes. Mm-hmm. So when I, I'm just so curious about the lore here. <laughs> so when one becomes a zombie mermaid, sure. So it's like it's like a, the virus that turns them into mermaids, right? It's the bite. The bite. Do they grow the tail? Yeah. 
Okay. That's do they grow the tail or do their legs fuse together? Yeah. And then sort of turn into the yeah, tail. Yeah, do her legs well, fall anamor- off first? Anamorph no, style. her legs remain. They turn into the tail, but the tail grows around them. Gotcha. Okay, so do they, like, well, I mean, th- that's a lot. So they grow over the legs and then the legs... Yeah, the legs change form. Right. Got it. They're I'm, not, it's not like buried treasure. They change It's form. like, it's, we don't really care. It's like... It's the the mass is moving, right? Like, yeah. well, because that, that'd be the most en- energy efficient. Okay, well, because you know, there's a there's like you know the the Attack on Titan version where like the the tail would grow over the legs, right? Mm-hmm. Or you have like the caterpillar version where they like the legs would liquefy, right, and then reform as the tail. No, I'm guessing that I'm guessing that like uh, it's molecules rearranging themselves, correct? Right? Quantum so, like, mermaids. Well, that's, that's why right. they were. That's why they needed to eat because that like you burn huge amounts of energy. Oh, crazy amounts yeah. of energy making tails. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's good. This th- I I just love that this is also science based. Yeah, <laughs> as as is all my work. Well, that concludes our uh, deep dive, if you will, into mermaids and uh sea creatures for now but we'll come back to it thank you so much avi for being here it was such a treat to have you here for the first in-person recording it was nice to be back and thank you all so much for listening as always you can find us at the lunatics project on instagram and we will see you next time bye 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 Thanks for listening. If you'd like some bonus content, consider supporting us on Patreon to access our patron-exclusive podcast, Horror Movie Club. Also head to lunaticsproject.com to check out our spooky merch and apparel. You can find us at Lunatics Project on Twitter and TikTok, and The Lunatics Project on Instagram and YouTube, where you'll find our short horror films, cemetery tours, and so much more. And please rate and review. A little feedback goes a long way to help us grow and get more content out there. Our cover art is by Pilar Kep. And musical bumpers are by Michaela Papa and Jordan Moser.